What's up, guys? Back again with the North American Weed Tour podcast, episode eight. I'm Mitch Pfeiffer. I'm Jay Ping. What's going on, man? How you living today? Man, checking in from LA. I'm doing okay. Was on the road, getting some orders, making some buddies brand moves. Another typical day. I'm rocking my new marathon shirt. Big shout out to Nipsey and the marathon, you know, marathon team. Um, I got some good products to review today, bro. Awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling, luckily I don't, I look a little glossy because we're getting this heat dome up here again. I, I don't know if you guys are getting that in California. I mean, it was just hot there. It's supposed to touch the nineties again up here in Seattle. Yeah, it was, it was, it was 101 to 105 here at the house today. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're being from up here, it sucks. Like, you know, the nineties aren't anything to bitch about compared to what you're going through, but like nobody has AC, no businesses have AC, restaurants don't have AC. So it's like when it gets hot, there's just like literally nowhere to go to escape it unless you want to go jump in some Yeah, it's in movie theaters, right? That's like, that was like what we did as kids. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. But like with COVID and stuff, I, well, I guess movie theaters are open. Just no one's going. Shout out to movie the Sorry, shout out movie. Scarlett Johansson, man. <laughs> shout out, shout out, Scarlett. You know what I'm saying? Um, um, you know, I actually went to a movie the other day, and it was yeah, it was wide open. It was pretty dope. Um, definitely wide open. But yeah, no, things are going. It's been hot as shit. Uh, moves are going. You know, RMR wise, to anybody watching, listening, whatever. Um, we are ten days into the North American Weed Tour, um, so that's exciting. Uh, we've had seven podcast episodes already. Um, some really great conversations, some really great perspectives. Um, bro, we worked with, you know, some PR people out of Chicago. We worked with a rolling paper company. We featured Brett out on the East coast, who is one of the most, uh, well-known and respected industry voices in the game right now. Like it's been some really cool stuff. Uh, David, you know, David over at tree factory, very inspiring story. They got their new licenses in Ventura and Oxnard. Um, the Leaf and Lion store is now theirs. Uh, there's just a, so much going on. It's an honor to be doing this, to be a part of the community, to be part of the culture. And today I'm pumped because I got a, I got new products that just hit the market here in Cali, man. What do we got? You got the Andretti OG. You got the the, the currency, the currency flower. That that looks. Really I picked dope, up. Man. I picked up some real wrapper weed, man. This is for this really recently launched. Uh, you guys can go look at Currency's Instagram. Check it out there. It's beautiful. He launched the Andretti OG over here and then the jet lag joint. Um, it's a jet fuel. I believe it's a jet fuel like OG cross. Um, I'm not sure on the genetics. I'll have to look all that up. But yeah, jet lag OG. I'm sorry, the Andretti OG and the jet lag pre-roll. And then uh, you already know, most people already know I work with Buddy's brand. So they just, they shot down some samples recently. We just brought these to market. Check this out. You know, a lot of people uh, are familiar with distillate and the fun fruity flavors, you know. Um, but Buddy's brand, we built our brand on cannabis derived terps. We didn't really use the fun, fruity, you know, plant flavors and things like that. Um, so this is after, God, I think after launching 10, maybe 12 new products in the last two years, this is the latest release. I've got a lime sorbet and a grape. So I am going to vape some Disty today with some botanical terps. We're going to see how good these taste because... Uh, Buddy's brand launched this. This is their new B brand line. It's a non-cannabis derived terpene line. And so we wanted it to look different than the other stuff. This is the live resin box, right? Yeah. Green. And these are the fun fruity flavors, right? So it's entirely a different experience. 
So I'm gonna yeah, we're gonna I'm gonna drink some weed, I'm gonna smoke some weed, I'm gonna vape some weed, we're gonna try drink it all out. Weed, there. Drink some weed, smoke some weed. There's a lot of THC going on over there. So they, they, the Andretti though, have you uh have you previously opened? I know it's unopened right now. Have you oh we it? actually you know what? Let's start off with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't you know vaping is clear I'm easy. curious off top if it's worth the hype because you know currency is someone that we all would associate. So first thing, first thing, first thing, it says jet it says jet life certified right here. Okay. You got Packaging, you can see there's a there is a nug in there. Like you can see the nug, right? You can see the nug in there through the side of the bag. Really cool branding. Follow us on Instagram here, uh, Andretti Canico, AndrettiCannabis.com. Uh, I just I would have ooh with the gas. So <sighs> it smells wonderful. Oh wow, it's got a really sweet smelling funky musk. Look at that. It's a big, that's a big, chunky, dense nug. And to be real, there's actually numerous chunky, dense nugs. We've got one nice one here, one here. This is the smallest one. This is the second smallest. And then another big one that I originally showed. To me, when you get three gram-sized nugs in a bag, that's Can't a win. That. Can't be mad at that. Yeah, that's a win. That's a win seven days a week. Right curious how it stacks up. You know, you're in Cali, the home of the OG Kush. Everyone's got OG. It seems like all the rap, you know, the YG OG, Marathon OG. This is the Dizzy OG, right? Everybody's got an OG. Yeah, I mean, this is the Andretti OG. I'm smelling it through. I'm going to be honest, the nug structures, they look a little different from the other OGs I've seen. And I'm also going to throw this out there. I, I, I used to be one of the biggest Dizzy Wright fans, bro. One of the biggest, and his his and he lost your respect. Nah, 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 nah. It's just I got a lot of respect for Dizzy Wright. Still, he's inspiring. His hip hop, he's a real artist. It's just the weed, the rapper weed. He does have the worst rapper weed in California. That's um, um, yeah, that's unfortunate. Hopefully, in Vegas, his home, you know, his home city in the state of Nevada. Hopefully, the Dizzy OG in Nevada is a little bit more respectable. I I honestly haven't seen it anywhere every time we've been i haven't seen it i've seen khalifa kush big shout out to the khalifa kush i got that from vegas here right now yeah. but i haven't i haven't I, seen any of the dizzy stuff i think a couple years ago when me and you were out there i'm pretty sure we saw an advertisement for it but they didn't have it or something like that like they had like a cardboard cutout but they didn't have any in stock or something yeah i don't i don't i don't remember i this khalifa kush is good too uh it's a little, I mean, it's Vegas. It's a little drier than this weed that I'm currently breaking down already. And that has a that has an Intera pack in it, and it's still drier. Sure. So while, I, while you're breaking that down, I'll, I'll show what I'm smoking on. You know, I got the uh, the Lucky Lose, which you haven't had, a relatively new brand distributed by Minglewood Brands up here in Washington. Um, the Runts 41, uh, you know, Gelato Forty One Runs Cross. It's uh, it's it's runcy, man. I mean, I don't know how well you can see it on the screen, but you know, Lucky Lou's is somebody that that uh has been Lou has been in the industry, really knows his flower. If you've messed around with the Lucky Lou's, he curates a really really solid menu, of mm -hmm. genetics and quality. Um, I've honestly been impressed with everything I've seen from them. Um. Cushmint, me and you talked about that a while ago. I don't know if it's on the podcast or just privately, but Cushmint is a strain that really got kind of, you know, saturated. And, you yeah. know, I know you said it, you noticed that you weren't even that big of a fan of it, so didn't understand why it was so saturated. But they're Yo, that's, that's actually Cushmint's. I'm going to put that as the overrated strain of the year. Okay. 
Yeah, it's crossed into everything. All these crazy genetics, like what you're saying, it was all over the place, right? And actually, it's at the point now where people are like, I don't want more Cushman's in my store. I can dig that. I can yeah. dig that. It's got a great name. The Cushman's, anyway, the Cushman's from Lucky Lose was good. I had their Larry Bird, which is, you know, Gelato 33. Um, and then what else did I have from them? I had something else from Lucky Lose that was hidden, but this runs 41. I've smoked it before, so it's not my first time smoking it, but it is, it's some heat, man. Like even just opening the jar up and then closing it, like it's a gelato-y, runcy party aroma going on. Um, big fan of the smell, great texture, great nugs, perfect mix of like moist and not too dry. Lucky lose. Lucky lose. This Andretti OG is breaking up real nice. It's got a great smell. Talk to me about that first hit you just did. Oh, man, it was great. I just rinsed my life up. Um, no, it's a really good mix. Like, you know, obviously runs is, is um, comprised of gelato. So crossing back runs with the gelato 41 is a very gelato uh, a mix, which is, you know, a hype beast type thing, honestly, but one of my favorite strains. I just love the aroma, the flavor profile, the high from from anything gelato. Um, this is a great cut, man. I mean, I've had a lot of gelatos up and down the West Coast, Washington, Oregon, California. I've had a gelato in each state from a brand that I really, really like. And this is this is up there. This is definitely this is definitely in terms of runts and gelato. It's, it's got a weird mix. It definitely in the jar smells more like runts. But then on the uh, the taste, it's got a little bit more of a gelato. Like, I don't know, man. It's it's um, it's a solid strength. I'm solid. Up. You like it? What's your score out of ten on the taste? Hit me. Be honest. I'm probably giving it a nine, honestly. Okay. I'm solid giving, respect. Yeah, I'm giving it a nine because again, you know, I like gelato. I like runs, and this is like a really nice. It's hard to like again. It's hard to mix because one, they're one in the you know takes gelato to make runs so it's but this is a really good mixture of runs and gelato if, and that we, sounds weird to say again knowing the lineage how many times can you say gelato in like a three minute span uh i don't know sponsored by gelato gelato baby what's <laughs> i love it all right well let me like this join up we've got a special guest coming well i like this join up why don't you introduce her she's quite literally one of the dopest women in the cannabis industry today been following her on linkedin you guys need to tap in. Mitch, let me light this joint up. All right, man. We'll bring in our special guests. We got Alana Goldberg hey. joining us, CEO of the Kenigma. Where are you joining us from right now? I can't I can't remember what where you're at right now. I'm joining you from my dad's place in Sydney, Australia. Okay. Uh, I live in Israel, Ooh. but we're visiting. We made it all the way over. We had to fly actually through California to make it over here, which is a really long way. <laughs> and I have yeah. no uh, weed. I'm glad you made it, I'm glad you made it safe. Yeah, so no we weed. Did. So it, weed's not legal in Sorry. Australia, right? No. Is it like super illegal or is it like kind of illegal? No, it's decriminalized. Okay. Like this this small amount that I do have somewhere in the house, you know, I think I'd be fine. <laughs> but so do not have any like, awesome products to review like you guys. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> we, you know, uh, you know, California gets the hype where Joey's at. Washington is a little bit slept on in terms of the the national scheme, but man, we still have an amazing cannabis up here. And then if you compare it to shopping in California, our prices are outrageously uh, affordable, I guess. You know, yeah, pros and cons, I guess. California. 
Yeah. Um, so talk to us a little bit about, about cannabis in Israel, where, where you're currently residing. What, what does it look like over there? Yeah, sure. So similar to here in Australia, uh, there's a medical cannabis program and a, a growing medical cannabis program in both places, in Australia and in Israel. Um, and in Israel, uh, cannabis is decriminalized. Um, don't quote me on this, but it's either seven or 10 grams that uh, is okay to have on your person. Okay, again, it's decriminalized. Um, so, you know, all of the, yeah. Of the crap around that, basically. The word on the street yeah. is in Israel um, that, that it should be legalized for adult use within the next year or two. Uh, but, you know, it's all politics, just like everywhere right. else. So we'll see if it's it's convenient in the next election cycle. And, and hopefully, you know, we'll be on our way to, to building a market like, uh, like you're both experiencing. Because really, yeah. like, when you look at it, and I know we'll probably want to talk about this later, there's so much, so much happening in the in the cannabis space in in Israel that it's just ridiculous that it's not legal. Right. So I, I got one thing to ask before we get into your background. Uh, there was a viral a viral thing I remember catching from over there, in Israel, about like I somebody, didn't catch any of the weed being dropped from the drones. If that's and what you're that really ask happened, me. right? Was that it really happened? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was during the first lockdown, right? It was like around March or April last year. It was like a cheering people up uh, campaign. Yeah. yeah, I remember seeing like a video or a meme about it. And it's one of those things where you're like, I don't know if this is actually real or, or what. So I had, to, I had to ask. Yeah, yeah. So it really happened. I'm pretty sure that it was like a, a delivery service. What's interesting in the in the um, illicit market in Israel at the moment is that it's quite developed. There's there's delivery services. A lot of it goes uh, uses Telegram. There's menus. There's, I mean, obviously, there's no kind of standards, and you're like buying different strains which have names, but like they're coming in baggies, and you have no idea what's actually in there. But it's kind of developing towards this space. Cheers. Um, Anyway, so it was a delivery service advertising himself as like very smart, very illegal advertising that they were doing <laughs> with this drone. At that point, you make so much money, you just pay the fine. That's it, exactly. It's worth it. That's the weed. That's what I've learned in weed. That's for sure. Push the yeah. Well, that advertising. I mean, it's ridiculous reach. that that's the case, but you're right. Yeah, that advertising reached me in Seattle. So I mean, that, that definitely <laughs> made a, a global viral impact. So, anyways, would you? Break down yourself, your background, and kind of how you got up to this moment of being, I know you've been the CEO of the Kinigma, I believe, like around two years, correct? A year now, yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, I'll break it down. So so my name's Alana Goldberg. Uh, as we just said, I, I was born and raised here in Australia. I moved over to Israel like 15 years ago um, and started my career in, in digital content creation. I'm a writer in, in you know, by profession, in my soul. I've always loved writing. Um, and I had this opportunity to start writing for the Jerusalem Post, um, which is one of the main uh, newspapers in Israel, um, also one of the biggest uh, online uh, newspapers. And my Hebrew wasn't good enough to do it. I remember like my, my the, the guy who became my manager who was doing my interview, he was like, yeah, we'll see. You can do it for a couple of weeks and we'll see. And I remember like sitting by the uh, radio. This was how we got the news at that point. We'd sit by the radio on the hour and we'd write everything down. And I'd be like, okay, I caught like every second word of this news <laughs> bulletin. Now I have to quickly go on all the other websites, work out what they said, translate it and get it up there. So that was like my my kind of, that was how it started in uh, in online news and also how my Hebrew got a lot better because <laughs> it, it wasn't really uh, good enough to do it at the time. So that was like I spent five years uh, creating online uh, content, but like hard news and in the Middle East, hard news is really hard. 
There's sure. no like cats up trees, which are like, I mean, COVID is now the, the main uh, news headline here in Australia, but generally it's pretty chilled in Australia. In Israel, it is not chilled at all. Um, so that was really heavy. Um, and I, I got to obviously learn a lot about how people uh, consume content online, what people understand, how they read. Most of the time they don't read. That's how they read. Um, yeah. Um, and so it got really like a, it was a fantastic school um, for this line of work. And then I went into creating web, websites in a number of different sectors. I, I worked in the um, in a in the nonprofit sector for a few years, uh, helping to build up a website called GoodNet, which was like the opposite of the Jerusalem Post. This was good yeah. news as opposed to bad news. So a lot of like self-development, environment, uh, social initiatives, this sort of thing. Really, really fun topics to be working around. Um, and did some time in the private sector as well, some uh, performance marketing, like really understanding how the commerce uh, side of the internet worked. And then around there, like two years ago, um, the other founders of, of the Kenigma had this idea. Um, they had this idea and this understanding that, that more and more people are going to be needing scientific-based content about cannabis in the coming years. Um, it's relevant for, you know, a few markets at the moment. And we can see that, like, you know, as is happening today, market after market is, is opening up. Um, for the for the like the legal cannabis market, of course, and, uh, and 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 there's just a complete gap when it comes to good quality information. Um, so this was the the core of the idea. A lot of it was based around this kind of like heart of the the combination of different medical conditions and symptoms and cannabis, and like what does yeah. the research say about all of these different conditions? So I loved the idea. I was really looking uh, to do something, you know, still in the, in the online content space, but something that had meaning. It was it was missing for me at the time, and like you can find meaning. In in all different places of course but i really wanted to work on, on a product that i believed in it was like i was yeah. actually doing something good for the world as well as like you know enjoying my work and, and having a good time with colleagues so it was just kind of perfect um and we started off really focusing on the medical um kind of side of this story um and then about yeah about a year ago probably when we made some changes in the company and decided to focus completely on on the Kenigma, um, we realized that what, what we brought, like the differenti differentiating factor is this scientific approach, the evidence-based approach. You right there, Joey? <laughs> oh. Oh. Yeah, to be honest, if I'm gonna be real with you, this don't taste like an OG and it's mm. super harsh. The it review is not good right now for the Andretti, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Smells good, looks good, smokes harsh. That's where I'm at. Yeah. Joints going down. So Put back to this, this <laughs> the, the need for this scientific approach. Right, exactly. And we realized that like, there's this need for the scientific approach, but it actually doesn't matter at all who the audience is. It doesn't matter if it's being used for recreational use or, or for medical use or health and wellness. Personally, I believe that pretty much all cannabis use is therapeutic in some way. Um, and so we decided to kind of like broaden the scope there. It's like this information is for everyone. Some of the time we're going to be talking about serious medical conditions. Some of the time we're talking about uh, specific symptoms. And most of the time it's just like we're talking about weed. That's the bottom line is we're talking about cannabis. We're talking about how to understand and make the best decisions um, about using cannabis, no matter who you are or what you're using it for or what maybe like a, your child or your parent is using it for. Um, so that's like the basic background. We launched just under two years ago. So it was October uh, 2019 that we launched and we're growing out. I mean, the, the main aim is, is building out this content. 
kind of library that we have on the site. And we cover medical conditions, like I mentioned. Um, we have a strain section that we've got a, a scientific approach for because there's like strain pages, you know, on so many different sites. So like mm -hmm. total crap. Um, and like, what does that help? Like if I, if I see that like White Widow does X, and then I go into a dispensary, you know, between uh, whether it's a dispensary in California or I like buy from a dealer in Israel or whatever it is, there's no saying that this is, you know, going to have any similarity. So we, we found a way to, to actually be able to say something based on the research on these pages. Uh, it's not perfect, but it's what we've got for now. Um, we have recipes, we have all sorts of explanations about how cannabis works on the human body. Uh, we're kind of building that out, I got to say, like two years in, and we still have hundreds of ideas every month when we sit down and decide uh, what to write about, which is super cool. It's like there was a part of me a couple of years ago where I was like, okay, cool. So we have hundreds of articles now, but at some point we're going to like be scraping the bottom of the barrel. But really it's like it's yeah. we're crossing things off the list every month, which is cool. Um, and I guess, you know, something that I really brought with me from, from working on all these different types of uh, websites before the Kenigma is this understanding that people um, digest information in different ways. Sure. Um, so, so I mean, I know I don't have to tell you guys this. Some people are readers. Me, I'd always prefer to read it. But some people want to listen to it while they're driving and some people want to watch a video and some people need the graphic element to kind of, especially with scientific concepts, tie it all together. Um, so we produce a lot of written content, but there's also videos. We have a podcast too, The Cannabis Enigma. We, we uh, create infographics as much as possible, really, especially because so many of these topics uh, need it. Um, and yeah, the idea is to be able to just get the information to people whenever they need it so they can uh, find out what they need to to find out and, and move on. That's the, that's the beginning and the end of it, really. I love that. And, and, and the start with medical moving to recreational, that's obviously, you know, how legalization is rolled out. And I also mm, right. feel like culturally, that's how the information on cannabis is rolled out, right? The people earlier in cannabis that got the nerdiest into it were the one, the patients who used it for certain really? ailments and symptoms. And so a lot of those people were on the forefront of educating the rest of the world. So it's just funny that your guys' website also followed kind of the same suit as the pursuit of this medical, but then the, the value and the benefit and the information is really, there's a lot more people interested in it and can still benefit from it. Yeah, totally. You know, it reminds me also, Mitch, of, of, how stigma gets broken down when it comes sure. to cannabis as well, that it's often like, you know, that people are willing to admit like, okay, it has some therapeutic, it's evil, but it has some therapeutic properties. So I'm willing to accept that. And it's kind of like from that point, they can maybe move on to like, oh, okay, maybe it's okay in small amounts on the weekends, whatever. And then it can roll into like, do whatever you want. We're all adults, but that tends to be the flow as well. <laughs> right. I didn't even think of that, but that is, uh, yeah, that's incredibly accurate. They really had to chip away at <clears throat> that stigma in various ways. And there had to be a combination of studies, community things, advocation, legislation. People really had to show up all over the world to get a lot of these things pushed through. Big shout out to the cannabis community. Big shout out to the yeah, medical patients. Anyway. Big shout out to all the people who pioneered this. Yeah, and it's interesting that you mentioned the research as well, because if you look at like, you know, a lot of what we had to go on up until I don't know, the last few years kind of thing, it's only very recent that we have 
that we're asking the right questions in research because what we knew from scientific research about cannabis, um, with, with a few exceptions, but up until a couple of decades ago, it was really from studies that their aim was to show how dangerous cannabis was. And then they were, you know, most, most of the uh, kind of backers of these studies were disappointed to find that they weren't able to support this and prove how, how dangerous cannabis was. So we've kind of like got the, got, got uh, like evidence that we have to bring from a different angle than it was intended, which means that generally speaking, there's massive limitations to the research. Mm. Um, so yeah. it's like when we started seeing this flip that the research is actually aiming to work out, you know, is cannabis a good treatment for seizures, for sleep, for anxiety, whatever it is, that we can start getting some real answers that we can then use to make smarter choices. It's like what's uh, amazing to see this growing. And and the country, the country you live in, Israel, is really on the forefront in terms of nationalized uh, effort into medical cannabis research. Um, you know, U.S. We obviously have a state by state. The feds, you know, really don't know what the fuck is going on, and a lot of states are 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 complicating that, you know, even further. But for for you over there, what have you have you feel? Do you feel like the country as a nation really supports the efforts of finding medical cannabis, or have they just kind of allowed a couple pathways into doing so? Yeah. So. I don't know if I would say the country as a whole supports it, but I think there's a lot less stigma when it comes to medical cannabis than there is to, to you know, cannabis use in general. Um, I think there's like a, a consensus in the company, of course, you're in the country, of course, you'll find exceptions, but there is a, there is a consensus that that there's there's a, a whole lot of therapeutic potential. And mm. I think I think a lot of that actually comes from the like national pride of, of uh, the amount of research that's been you know, being done here in Israel. Um, it's actually a cool story yeah. how that all started. It was back in the 60s. Um, Raphael Meshulam, um, who's, who's still working to this day, I'm, I'm sure you guys both know his work well. He's 92 and still working out of the Hebrew University in Jerusalem. Um, and he realised that unlike pretty much every other illicit drug, uh, the, the active ingredient or the active compound in cannabis hadn't yet been isolated. Um, so he went to get his hands on some weed. He talked to the cops and they gave him this massive bag of hash that they'd uh, confiscated uh, somewhere on the Lebanese border. And he took it to his lab and that was when THC was first isolated and after that, him and his team also isolated CBD and, and a number of other, I think, dozens of other can uh, cannabinoids that have been isolated were, were uh, isolated by that team. And so that was kind of like the wow. beginning of this whole story. Yeah, it's cool. Um, also at the Technion, which is another uh, big research university in Israel based in Haifa, um, there's, I've, I've heard this stat. I don't know. I don't know if I should be quoting this, but I've heard that up to a third of the budget of this university is going into into cannabis research on uh, cancer. The research is definitely taking place. I just don't know if that's necessarily the exact budget number. Right. Um, so, and and there's a lot of kind of buzz around that as well. Um, so, I think on the research side and the medical side, it's supported across the board. You know, it varies. You go into Tel Aviv, you know, the largest city, you're going to get a massive, uh, you know, approval rating for legalization. If you go into the periphery, more religious areas, lower socioeconomic areas, you're likely to see, you know, lower, lower rates of support. I feel like that's pretty standard these yeah. days worldwide in terms of people and what they decide to do, support, partake in, um, where they spend their money, etc. Totally. Not unique in the slightest. <laughs> that's interesting. It's it, it's interesting though, because I mean this is why this is why we want the you know the North American Weed Tour here. Everybody, let's get it. Episode eight. This is a this is one of those moments where weed is weed everywhere, but yeah. And the people, we're still all humans. It's gonna. It's still in. 
it's still in bottles and bags and jars and things. It just may or may not be branded. It may or may not be dropped out of the drone. It may, you know, there's all these different fun, unique viral things. The other day in Venice Beach here in LA, Stizzy has a has a flag behind a plane. Amazing. Oh, I think I saw that. I think I saw That's that. also illegal, but it's also dope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I was a kid, I would have been so excited to hear that this was like, you know, a couple of decades in the future. Right? right. right. I could right. never have pictured it. So cool. No. So from yeah. literally from where you're at in the world to where we're at in the world to where Mitch is at in the world, it's it's cannabis. It's, it is a wave. Like you said, the consensus in most of the big cities is that this is, there are therapeutic benefits. And then you guys... You know, the Kenigma is covering a lot of that positive culture, a lot of the sharing uh, content about a lot of that science. And a lot of that science is helping America figure itself out. And because yeah, although absolutely. we've got 25, 30 states or whatever our number is here, I've, so many, so much stuff has changed over this last year. I can't keep up with whatever our number is. But a lot of the science does come out of there. And, that you know, it's an honor to have you on the show to be a part of that culture, to be part of the community and helping craft that, helping shape that. We very much appreciate it. This isn't the end of the interview. I'm just thanking you because <laughs> we are science people. I'm a patient. I read all these studies and then I digest it and share it to my mom or my grandma every time. Every time we discover something, we try to be a part of that, pe that, that cycle of sharing that to the people that we need it. And I think when I got into cannabis at like 2016, we were really looking to wherever there was science available to like prove that gelato did this or OG Kush can do that. And the first thing I learned as a bud tender was you can't say it can do anything. You can't guarantee that it can do anything. Yeah. And, and that really helped me to just be like, all right, well, the next best thing I can rely on is science and bam, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Mitch. That's it. Well, I right? hope we can kind of like, uh help with that translating the science a bit like maybe we can help cut out a step and this is what we always say is that you know the science given that it's a plant and there's so much variation there's so many different types of cannabis we're, we're probably not going to be able to ever say yes this is definitely going to do that even if i have like a full chemical profile and we've done all of the human trials we need to do our bodies are different batches are different and so what we can maybe do is get ourselves smart enough that we can shorten the trial and error process yeah. like you know for people like us who love weed the trial and error process does not bother me in the slightest i'm happy to do all of that trial and error you know but for a first-time patient for example maybe for your grandmother maybe for a child like you want to make that as 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 painless as possible because um, yeah. i mean we know it's not dangerous like worst case scenario we want to have a really uncomfortable free. night we want to make it risk free to some extent yeah i already believe it, it, the, the risk is pretty low um but but in terms of like if we're going to talk for a moment from a medical perspective in terms of um compliance with the treatment um the the better experience and the quicker you find the product and the dosage that writes for you the more that, that works for you sorry the more likely you're going to be to stick with it and then mm -hmm. you know not have to turn to pharmaceuticals for example opioids like it's, there's a really nice flow-on effect there of like just getting the uh the the kind of like onboarding as smooth as possible Right. And then it's like, cause those are all, those are obviously higher risk, right. In their own, in their own regards. And yeah. I think with, with, with my comment about that, it's really because when I was a butt tender, <clears throat> people that have anxiety, it doesn't matter what their sex is or whatever it is. It's like, 
Yo, if you're anxious and you go in and you smoke high THC weed that has any kind of citrus to it, this is going to freak you out. This is going to freak you out. And those are that's the kind of risk that the lack of science that I think of. The other stuff to me is the trial and error period that most people get used to. Oh, I'm experimenting drinking. Oh, I'm trying foods for the first time. It, it's becoming kind of like that. That's what mm -hmm. this norm that's this normalization that this the community the world is trying to do in like the restaurants and the infusions in the chef. Like that's that's cool. That's daily everyday daily life. But when you think about buying things and it's like like as a patient or even just as a recreational user, I'm trying to buy this beer knowing it's going to taste consistent and get me the same drunk or the same whatever every time. This isn't a beer. This is a weed drink. But it's one mm -hmm. of, to that. But And then I grab these right here because this is a Durban Poison Sativa. This is an OG Kush with a very, very strong lemon profile. Mm -hmm. This one is, only, is an Indica that's going to freak someone out and then also – like make them never want to smoke weed again if they're a first time user. It's that potent, right? Whereas this one is a land race strain, lower THC. Know this because of science, right? We know this because of testing and the terpene profiles and the land race nature. This one's going to give them a more gentle ride, but it still also has the ability to freak them out because it's a true land race strain, right? And so I love, I love the science that Jerusalem is putting, er, Jerusalem is putting out, the rest of Israel is putting out because to me, when I'm talking, if, I, if I'm at a stizzy, if I'm at a stizzy store, and that mm -hmm. one is in downtown LA, and I talk to 2,000 people a day there, it's very important that the wrong people are not getting served the wrong items for certain things. You could quite literally make someone never want to try weed again and force them down a lane of pills because of that poor experience one time. Education is so important, so important. Um, and this is to my point, have you ever been over here in the States and consumed any of these legal weed brands, any of these, these cannabis companies uh, in the last like year, two, three years, six months, any of that kind of stuff? Yeah. So when I flew over to Australia from Israel, the only way we could make it over because they've got massive caps on passengers that they're letting into Australia at the moment. So there's very limited flights. So we had to fly. Listen to this flight. I flew Tel Aviv to Newark. That's like a 12 hour flight. Then Newark to LA, you know that, no, sorry, to San Francisco, you know that flight. And yeah. then from San Francisco to Sydney, which is just a quick 16 hour flight. Okay, that, that, that's how I got over here. Wow, that's I'm like so two, proud of myself two, two days of your life almost just flying. Yeah, for so it was meant to be two days, but our, the, the, the Newark to San Francisco flight was delayed. And so we ended up with a day in San Francisco. So that was actually my first time in California. I'm going to spend some time in California now on my way back. Um, but we got a free day in California. So first of all, I texted my friend who lives in San Jose and I was like, cancel your plans, come to San Francisco for the day. Um, and I did get to have my first experience in, uh, in a dispensary. Um, I think go. they probably would have preferred that I didn't come to the dispensary because I just grilled them about every product in there. And they're just like, who <laughs> is this woman? We did not order this. Um, <laughs> and at one point, this poor, poor bud tender is like, okay, I, I know what I'm going to do. And she went out the back and she brought back this like heavy ledger with all of these COAs. And she starts like flipping through the COAs to try and answer the questions. But what I, what I saw, and this is like, you know, I, 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 she was doing her best and she's working in a shitty situation as well. But what I saw was, you know, what we've been learning about and hearing about um, for years was that th this like oversaturation of products and complete lack of understanding of them. Mm. Um, yes. 
And, you know, I was like, whatever, I had a few hours there. I wanted to like basically be able to roll myself joint and that was about it. Um, but again, like I kind of speaking to what you're saying, Joey, I, I just wanted to be able to see a terpene profile. And then I knew because I know how to smell what I like. I knew I'd be able to at least pick something if I could see a terpene profile. And they couldn't find me a terpene profile on mm. any flower in the store. Um, so, wow. An international cannabis connoisseur, scientific part of the community, comes to the Bay Area, has a few hours to spend, goes to the Bay Area dispensary. Not only is there no science to back her, her, her your customer decision process, but then you couldn't even identify something that you were familiar with. And you're in. You, wow. It's crazy, right? Yes. And, and Joey's been very passionate about speaking of putting terpene profiles on packaging or at least mm -hmm. on the label with the t at least terpene test results, some sort of information. Part of we're our going on, we're going process. on in October. It'll be five years of me pushing that agenda. Part, part of our, well, yeah, part of our by review, next October, it'll be over. One of our review <laughs> categories is built around having more information, which is specifically about THC and terpenes. Uh, most consumers obviously are not going to care, but for those of us that want to nerd out, we want to know. I want to know. I don't care as much about the total THC percentage as I care about the total terpene percentage or what ter terpenes are in it. Yeah. And for the bud tenders, like how are they meant to serve their customers? It's like, it's like going into a bottle shop and saying, I'd like alcohol, please, and just getting a <laughs> bottle of alcohol. And you have no idea where you've gotten like beer or champagne or vodka. Right. None of this weed that I just picked up has terpene profiles on the stuff. They are all $60 eights or more. All of them. None a single one. So for me, I this is why this is why we do this. I I bought all this. We Mitch and I bought all this. And we have to do these reviews to explain the terpene profile because people like you come to our country and the laws are not set in place to actually protect the customer or to help a patient make an informed decision. Yeah. They are created in a way where people can only make money off of us. And it's unacceptable. Right. It's really unacceptable. So uh, people don't even know this, but we're working on a project where, where, where I develop a program where we test products off the shelf. We'll be getting this or we'll be getting whatever, all the wrapper weed, and we'll be taking it to a lab, having it tested, awesome. taking it to two or three labs, having an, having an average created, and we'll be seeing who passes, who fails, whose numbers are juiced, who's whatever it is. And we're going to publish it publicly. So hope all the brands are ready in California and Washington because we're going to come in and be ready to do that here very soon. And the goal is obviously to do some kind of consumer program nationwide and then with you internationally and worldwide down the road as the science progresses and as some level of um, true testing consistency can be established. My understanding, from my, and I hear this from all kinds of former lab employees, everybody does everything different. And there's not even consistency between them. It's like it's like it's like watching Breaking Bad happen in an RV. It's like you can see they're pouring it, watching. Like, oh, this looks close. This is oh yeah, is this good? Yeah, that looks close enough. It's like that kind of stuff. And yeah, it's it's totally. And I hate to paint that picture and say that about all labs. It's not all labs like that. But when you talk to these employees about what it was like, and they worked somewhere for a year or two, and they mention all these companies who should have got popped, and they didn't. And that weeds in the market. It's unacceptable, and it's unacceptable that your experience was like that. In my opinion, too. 
Yeah, look, this is I mean, this, this is the result of prohibition. Yeah, this is what this, this is the the, the, <laughs> the what it all comes down to. The fact that there's you no know, like that there's kind of this in between level of regulation, which means that everyone has to work in this backward way. I could feel like it should be either proper regulation across the board and standardization, or just step back completely and let people, you know let everyone do their thing, um, and then we would end up with a lot better products and a lot better information for consumers. Right. It just makes me think about you know like. When I, when I first started my love affair with cannabis, so I would have been like, you know, 14, 15, something around this age, I thought it was me. I thought there was cannabis, right? And I was always, you know, buying pot. And then like, sometimes I would have good days. Sometimes I would have bad days. Sometimes yeah. like I must've smoked too much or I must've, I don't know, had a beer beforehand or something, or maybe it was just that I didn't like the people I was with. And like, it blew my mind when I first, you know, when I actually got into this industry and, and, and started to see, um, I don't know, get into the science, I suppose, and also understand what was going on in, in regulated markets, in legal markets, to understand like, oh, okay, there's actually all different types of cannabis. Mm. That's what was going on. And yet, so it's like we've come so far, we're able to segment into cultivars and chemotypes and types of cannabis and different products, and yet we have this exact situation. Like I walked in and I basically had to choose a product based on its name. I like, you know, I like the lemony types of weed and I literally chose a product based on like, okay, that sounds lemony. Like how ridiculous is that? I don't know. I'm picking a product like, yeah, that sounds like beer. I'll buy that. You're not, beer. you're not willing to put that dispensary on blast tonight, are you? No, I'm not doing that. I hear you. I hear you. That's, res <laughs> that's respect. But I want yeah. you to, I want, hey, all these, all these cannabis dispensaries, man, LA, Seattle, San Francisco, San Jose, Santa Cruz, Sacramento. If you are in a tourist area, if there is an NBA team, if there's a pro sports team in your city, in America or in the world, you are in a tourist destination. You, if there's a pro sports team in your city, you need to consider educating cannabis and making sure that you take brands in your store that make that meet these minimum demands that we're talking about here. This is absolutely unacceptable that someone can go into San Francisco and cannot identify a lemony weed because there's no terpene profiles on no packaging. And the butt tender is also unable to identify it with you. That's what's mind blowing. San Francisco is one of the most legendary cannabis, medical cannabis communities. Mm. I'm, I'm astounded. This is a call to action. This is concerning. This is concerning. I, I challenge, I, Jay Ping checking in, man, respect my region. I challenge all the dispensaries to level up. And it's not it's not uncommon for us to hear this, you know, from the marketing and the business yeah. side. One of the main things that Joey and I hear when we go to a dispensary, what separates you from the dispensary down the street? Because anywhere there's zone for dispensaries, there's likely a competitor within a stone's throw. Almost 90 percent of the time they are going to say our bud tender education sets us apart. And you go down the street, yeah. what sets you apart? Our bud tender education. Everyone is saying their bud tender education sets them apart from the other person. Yet all three of us consistently go into <laughs> locations and are severely underwhelmed with bud tender education. Yeah. So it's a Listen, she is really trying. Like I, this is part of why I don't want to throw under the bus. I feel like it's not, it's not only her fault. Like it's, I mean, sure. It's like her managers at the dispensary. Maybe you can put it there, but it's, it's the industry at large. That's a, that's a fault here, but let me flip it the other way and ask you. Sounds okay, like she's got a customer service. <laughs> Sounds like she's good um, at customer service, Absolutely, right? yeah. Yeah. She was trying. See, uh, I, tell me where I should go me, when I go back to San Francisco. You sorry, what well, was that? Yeah. Where should I go when I go back? 
Oh, so, oh, you gotta go to um, you gotta go to some of the most like, the, like to me with your science background, you want to go be be in places like Berkeley, closer up mm -hmm. to the Sonoma areas, like, people where places where people care about the science of cannabis and the experience of it. They, there's also a part of the tourist experience, which in that instance, you're technically one of those tourist experiences. Of course, yeah. And those stores are high THC pushers because customers don't come here caring about what you cared about. And of course, yeah. all these dispensaries are going to be like, but she's the anomaly. She's the industry. I don't sell to those people. Yo, you better think farther than just today. You better think yeah. down the road when there's 10 million people working in the cannabis industry and you better think about all the family recommendations for every person, you know, and you're a member of the media, you could have told, and even up with our story tonight, could have told a hundred thousand people or 10, 10 million people. Who knows? They should be thinking about things like that. One of these TikTokers goes in there and has the same experience. That's not good. It's not yeah, good. Totally. And you, if you compare <laughs> it like in either direction, if you compare it either to, to like the, you know, the, the pharmaceuticals industry or to the alcohol industry, you would never say that. You would never say, oh, this wasn't a doctor I was serving. So I just gave them bad information about the medicine, you know, that they were taking. I just didn't need to bother about that. <laughs> well, like, this wasn't a wine connoisseur. So I just like gave them vodka, even though they wanted red wine. Alana with the mic drop right now. That is. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, that's accurate, right? When you're getting a prescription, they go in depth with what's your body type. Let's try this. Oh, that, you know, you come back. Oh, that didn't work. Or I felt this. Okay. Well, that's because of this. And that happens to this segment of the population. Now, by knowing that we can take this road. And, you know, it is a little bit of a trial and error for anybody that's dealt with, you know, chronic me medical issues or, or prescriptions. Um, it, it's a, it's, 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 you need a guide, right? You need someone to guide you down that road and that experience. And it's, it, it is incredible how much these dispensaries miss that. And to Joey's point, it is true. You know, the average consumer doesn't know shit and wants to buy high THC. And so there's a little bit of catering to that, but you know, we, me and Joey spoke in depth about this, about someone needs to just set the fucking example and start going the other way and really push education. You don't have to force people, but really, really lead with education rather than just succumbing to the ignorance of the consumer. And that's going to help elevate this, this community. And you're, I mean, and from a business perspective, which is kind of how my mind works, you're going to build much stronger connections with your with your customers who are then going to tell other people. And, and I mean, I think that would be great for business, maybe not in the short term, but over the long term, I absolutely think it'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. And it doesn't need to be that complex either. Like, of course, there's all sorts of complexity that we can nerd out on, but like that, like normal person who's going into the dispensary, they need to know a few things. They need to know that there are different types of cannabis. That's something that I feel like is just baseline education that a bud tender can get across. You need to understand there's all different types. Some work better on, on different uh, conditions and symptoms. Symptoms, some work better for different types of people. That's like one piece of information that people need to understand. Next thing they need to understand is dosage is super important. That there's mm. like the, this concept of called the bi biphasic effect. Okay, this blew my mind when I first learned about this. The fact that cannabis can at a small dose 
help calm nausea and and like settle the stomach and at a high dose can make you throw up this is this is like stuff that's like counterintuitive but it's super important to understand and same with anxiety so it, the same cannabis that at a small dose is going to make you feel like nice and chilled and calm at a high dose is going to make you freak the fuck out and be in like throes of paranoia and it's not that this is not the right weed for you it's that you need to get your dosage right so I feel like those like small, simple pieces of information are going to help someone, even if they get the wrong product, right? Even if they get set home from the dispensary with the wrong product, when they get home, they're going to know, okay, I'm going to roll myself a joint and I'm going to have one hit. Then I'm going to wait half an hour, see how it's going. If I'm cool, maybe I'll have another one. Maybe I'll decide it's enough. But like with that information, people can actually, like they don't need to be that educated. They just need this basic education so that they can like, play with it themselves and have fun. You just inspired some really great ideas with me. I just want to say I appreciate this moment and your awesomeness. You're yeah. incredible. <laughs> Thanks, Joey. <laughs> you got my got my got my wheels turning right now. Bad. And so you know, with that being said, you know, there's a lot of speculation on where where cannabis is gonna head in the future. And your opinion, and I know your opinion is a little bit more global you know, than Joey and ours and some of our viewers, where do you see legal cannabis? It could be medical recreational, but legal cannabis in the next five to 10 years. Oh, where? <laughs> Everywhere. <laughs> um, I love it. Look, I, I guess in the next five to 10 years, I would like to see that the, the majority of countries have, have passed some sort of legalization measures. Um, I think it's going to take us a little bit longer than that to get to the point where we are. You know, I keep making these comparisons to either pharmaceuticals or the alcohol industry, but I think that's where we need to get to. We need to get to a point that it's just like regulated and understood and like a, you know, a, a normal part of society. I think it probably will take the, the you know, the decade for us to get there, but, it, but it's, a, it's a process. You know, something that I would really love to see, I don't know if this is going to happen, is, is to see like different jurisdictions learning from each other. I feel like mm. so often it's like each country is like, we're going to legalize cannabis. No one else has ever done this before. We need to start from zero. And it's like, no, look at what's going on in Canada. Understand, you know, where they were, where they, what they did well, what they didn't do well, you know, focus on that. Look at California, look at different states. And then like, let's like, let's make a, a blueprint for how to legalize mm. cannabis and then countries around the world or states or however, I mean, it's ridiculous when it's a state by state system, but you know, jurisdictions around the world can like get it up and running smoother. Um, right. That's something I would really love to see. Um, and then of course, product development and, and both on the, from a kind of um, innovation and, and technology perspective, I feel like there's so much interesting stuff going on and, and really far to go. Um, I, had a, I had the pleasure of being interviewed with, um, with, oh, hang on, there's a call coming through here. Let me get rid of that, okay. So great having everything on the computer, and it's so terrible having everything right, on the computer. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was saying, uh, I, I was interviewed with with the CEO of um, an, an Israeli company called Psyche. Have you guys heard about Psyche? Uh -uh. Uh, so this little inhaler, uh, it, it's the aim is for it to be for medical purposes. Down the line, maybe uh, it won't be, but that's that's kind of their uh, their niche, um, and they take a slide it's like a little cartridge that goes into the inhaler and it's a slide with like a tiny piece of flour on each slide and they've been running tests and have found that their patients are able to use a one hundredth of the amount that other patients are using by smoking or vaping a hundredth of the amount of flour and get the same pain reduction effects 
And this wow. sort of thing is just mind blowing to me. Even, even if it's just like an economic perspective, how brilliant, you know, how, how revolutionary this could be. Even if that only works for a portion of the population, sure. still revolutionary. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And so I think like, you know, when we have science backed uh, initiatives like this coming out, people are gonna be able to, I keep saying the same thing, but that's when it comes back to like, make better decisions about the cannabis products that they that they buy and use. Um, yeah, I guess that's my my crystal ball prediction here. I love absolutely. it. More more of more innovation more positive more legislation legalization over time they need it it gets they can't be blind to the issues being worse than they already are anymore people are people are finally starting to hold people you know these governments or whatever accountable and stuff's trying to get changed it's it's a little bit of a revolution going around the world not just for cannabis but in a lot of different things it's it's an exciting time to be alive that's for sure i agree all happening and that's an interesting perspective you know like from what i heard at the end is like innovation that leads with thinking in the right direction from from the medical from the scientific background it's going to have the you know start tying into the start of the conversation that type of thinking is going to have effects you know positive and scalable effects onto the recreational and everyday consumer in terms of proper education and very much like how we were talking about you know legalization of uh, you know, Israel, Pat, look, looking at research from what can this do, as opposed to, like you said, a lot of the stuff in the States and previous legal is, uh, research is into, you know, disproving or proving that it's a bad substance. Um, so that's definitely an interesting perspective. So how, how much do you think of your perspective is kind of conditioned or, or not conditioned, sorry, but shaped by having this being in Israel the last 15 years? Like how much do you think that's had an impact on your perspective of cannabis? That's an interesting question. Um, I, I don't think it's a huge part of it to take truth. Um, like oftentimes when, when I speak to people around the world and they ask me like, oh, you're Australian, what's going on with cannabis in Australia? Or, oh, you live in Israel, what's going on with cannabis in Israel? I'm like, honestly, I know more about what's going on in the States. Like so <laughs> much of our focus is on, is on North America at the moment. We've got 70% of our readers are from North America, which makes sense, obviously, because, sure. because those people are able to use our information the best. Like it's like all well and good to have all the information that I use, but like I bought weed out of a guy in his car in a car park a few weeks ago. Like he didn't have a COA on him, you know? So it's like, <laughs> oh no, I killed Joey. Sorry. That's the funniest shit I'm sorry. <laughs> That's great. You caught a mid dab with the with the punchline, yeah. man. <laughs> Gotta time it better. <laughs> you said I bought weed out of the, from a dude in a bag. No COA. I'm dead. Yeah. <laughs> Next time I'll ask. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think I think it's a mixture. I think it's a lot of like the, the world is okay. I can't go to dispensaries uh, when I'm over in Israel, but I'm speaking to people in America all the time. Sure. I think it's you know it's a, it's a pretty global perspective. Sure, and so that, and that's interesting. And so you know, your background is obviously heavy into content. Um, and a lot of what you're talking about, you know, the producing the content, you know, A, you get to learn and then B, you get to inform on the backside of that. Um, how important to you is, is you know, because we come from the content world as well. How important or, or what role do you feel like content, especially specifically online content, plays in this space and kind of the further the furthering of cannabis and helping break the stigma? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, obviously, I think it's crucial. That's not surprising. <laughs> um, I'm also like a real content person, you know, and I, I, not everyone's like that. Like not everyone's into digging into the details. Um, so so I, I think that's like my my like personal um, view on it. I think um, I think that this like education in general and, and specifically ed educational content is really crucial across the board. It's, you know, consumers need the content. And then also if we're to, to kind of like go top down, like physicians need to know what's going mm. on with cannabis. Again, even just those basic points that I mentioned before, because whether it's whether they're, they're prescribing or thinking of prescribing or they've got patients who use cannabis and whether they know they have patients who use cannabis or not, they need to have basic cannabis education um, to be able to treat their patients. So that's super important there. Obviously, dispensaries across the board need to have uh, educational content accessible, whether that's online courses or someone who comes into the store or these like bud tender, like information uh, booklets that we're working on at the moment. Hopefully we'll, we will meet up in Vegas and I'll be yeah. able to show you those uh, in person. Um, obviously, you know, it, it's crucial there. And I mentioned physicians, but I think healthcare providers across the board should be included here as well. Mm -hmm. So pharmacists and nurses, super important. Often they're the ones that are, that are really doing the, the patient-facing work. So even that basic cannabis education um, can make a really big difference there. And, you know, all of these different professionals, they're just people like the rest of us. So some of them need videos, some of them need podcasts, some of them, you know, coming back to what we were saying at the beginning. Um, so I think it's really important to have that uh, kind of diverse piece there and when it comes to breaking the stigma um you know some of the work is grassroots some of it's like you know when you're at dinner with your aunt and she says something that doesn't make sense that you're actually able to like correct her and maybe send an article that explains it and maybe send an article that's like not coming from some like crazy hippie or like stoner type publication that it's like this is science it's actually like you know this is this is very simple and plain and and can be uh understood i suppose if it's if it's like uh translated properly that's kind of like what i how i think about a lot of what we're doing it's translating the science into just layperson's language sure. just straight speak that's um terrible. so yeah i mean of utmost importance i suppose is my is my short answer to the question Right. Because I feel like, you know, like most things, right? We search the internet before we ask another person, whether we're mm -hmm. embarrassed for, you know, there's a multitude of reasons someone could be embarrassed or shy of asking on any given subject. And so I think the the internet, you know, is like you said, whether I'm in a conversation and using it for validation or I'm just seeking a baseline quest, you know, starting my quest into uh, a rabbit hole of information on any, on any given topic, you know, I think the internet is such an important place for that. Um, and previously in cannabis, you know, the, the, really the only medium we had was, was print magazines, which was great when, you know, it, you couldn't really talk about cannabis on, on the internet. There wasn't much out there. People were scared of talking about it in general. So it had this kind of cool feeling to have these magazines, you know, the same way, I guess, you know, when we were younger kids, you had like dirty magazines. <laughs> it was this cool thing you're not right. supposed to have, but, th and that made it even cooler. And I think that's what like the cannabis Counter magazine. Those that are role both that considered has. counterculture, correct? Isn't, yeah. Isn't both that the counterculture, right? Yeah. Ab absolutely. And so that's why I think the internet of spreading this information and just readily being available for anyone at you know the, as soon as you pick your phone out of your pocket you just have access to information and so you know we, we talked a little bit about the different content types you know we're again we're a little bit more on the marketing side so sometimes we look at what's most effective for certain things but what do you feel like is the most effective medium of content and i'm sure your answer is probably 
everything because it's individual for different people. But what what do you feel? Do you feel like the trend around podcasts has been really effective of, of communicating information to people? Or do you still feel like print, you know, whether it's digital print or print is still the kind of the, the king of content? Wow. I can't believe you're going to make me choose. I mean, podcasts are so interesting because in an hour you can pull apart so much. Like you can mm. do like the work of like a 20,000 word article and yet it's much more digestible than a 20,000 word article. Like to get yourself in the mind space to be able to like sit and concentrate on reading like the transcript of our interview, for example, now, like requires a very different type of con uh, concentration than like you can, you can even concentrate like passively to a podcast interview and still absorb the information. Yeah. And I think that the like mind is able to like pick out what's important and then zone out and back in in a much uh, more organic way than with written content. Um, having said that, there are certain things that just like need to be read, in my opinion. You need to be able to go up and control F. Like, you know, I have a problem with podcasts because I can't control F and find that one bit where like, right, right. you know, Joey lost it in the middle of the dab or whatever. Not going to be able to find that easily. Um, so pros and cons, I guess if I was have to pick one, honestly, it would be video. Okay. Like video is, is, is really up there because you can, you can get that audio element in with the visual. You can splash on words to like help. Like, uh, I think that's really important for memory. I know for me, like if I see a word, I'm much more likely to be able to remember it. Um, Pros and cons for everything. Video is really fucking expensive to do uh, well, like to do like custom animations. So sometimes, you know, we have to pick and, and, and right. uh, work at like how we can get this information to as many people as possible and we juggle it. But yeah, videos, uh, videos I think a very effective uh, educational tool as well. Absolutely. Jo Joey's been preaching video uh, as, as the preferred content platform. It Quite a for uh, you know, even for yeah. us, there there is a cost to the production on this is not so crazy yet for us. One mm -hmm. day, one day we're shooting for the ESPN quality, you know, on the people calling in and stuff like that. Not there yet, but right. but the you know the cost just for people that are what you know watching and maybe interested in what goes into these kinds of things. I mean, you know, to make media, you use social media. You pay for a thing like Restream or, OB, you know, you get the OBS and you do some, you know, an hour or less of research and you can be doing exactly what we're doing right now. It's just a matter of doing it consistently. I also have two lights here and good lighting for you and lighting for Mitch. It just sets it apart. There are levels to people's interest in the video content. If you have low produced content, it's not going to be so well consumed that, you know, you but you don't always have to shoot for. 17 cameras 4k with the producer switching and the views you don't need it all every time you know yeah. for me it's more like when you're doing animations like when we want to kind of take scientific concepts and and make them accessible animation's super useful and and that gets very pricey right uh, right absolutely yeah that and the just, editing right like the best video yeah, content yeah. is short form but packs a lot of information which requires totally. a lot of planning and a lot of editing to, to execute on that at a high level. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, lots of cooks involved in that. I actually just found a video editor who, who does this kind of 2D animation, kind of like South Park style. Uh, I think we're going to have some fun playing around with that. Got to find the right topic, obviously. Um, but I really right. like the idea of finding a more economical way to be able to produce that sort of uh, video content. 
Yeah, that, that is something. That's something we'll work on as well. So to get it back to research real quick, um, sure. what are some of the areas that you feel like we still need more information? We still need to put more focus on in the cannabis space. And again, I'm sure you have a wide range of answers, but if you could narrow it down to a couple specific points that you feel like we could really, really uh, grab some value from from learning more about. Yeah, topicals. I'm going to say topicals. There is really very limited research when it comes to transdermal absorption through the skin. Um, and yet there are so many cannabis products out there that can be uh, effective just by like sticking something on the skin or rubbing something in or like I'm not even get started talking about like CBD pillows and all this crap because we can just assume, you know, there's not much uh, the science is, is going to be able to weigh in there. But, but you know, transdermal and, and topical application can be really useful for like uh, sports recovery, for, for example, arthritis for a number of different uh, localized. Um, um, and I think it's also the type of thing that can that has the possibility to go mainstream. That might be something that like my mum just enjoys rubbing on her hands, even though she's not much of a, a weed person or not a weed person at all. And I, I, I believe, you know, this this deserves to be by science. So that's uh, that's one area that I think we could uh, and we could solve it, you know, pretty quickly. It doesn't need to be. Uh, it doesn't need to be more than a couple of years till we have answers to these questions. Sure. That's a great point. I mean, that is, you know, we often talk about the the largest consumer demographic for cannabis people out there is the can of curious, the people that aren't mm -hmm. quite converted yet. And we often say, you know, in terms of getting high or, or experiencing cannabis from that perspective, it's the edibles. But, you know, as you brought up there, the topical is for sure the most low risk, low impact, low tension uh, entrance into the cannabis <laughs> space that they're, that they're possible. <coughs> That's right. the truth though. My mom, my grandpa, my grandmas, they all use it. Yeah. They, yeah. they, they use, they they use that the most often. When they use it. And, and how, like, you know, what the mechanisms are. I was, I was grounded for cannabis use in my younger years and, you know, and then I had a surreal moment as I'm rubbing, you know, cannabis lotion on my mom's, you know, arthritis on her wrist. And so, um, you know, it's crazy how, how things come full circle. She's definitely not interested in cannabis past the topical, but, you know, we, I, I can talk about something I'm passionate about that I used to get in quite a bit of trouble around, <laughs> you know, in a new way. So that, Yeah, that's wouldn't have believed it. But if you knew it right there, right? Right, right. If I could have pulled that out at 16, like, Mom, you shouldn't ground me too long. There's going to be one day where I'm hooking you up. With <laughs> You're going to need me. <laughs> You'll be thankful that I learned about this shit. <laughs> totally. That They'll be thanking awesome. us. They'll all be thanking us. Right, right, all right. <laughs> Man, so I really sincerely appreciate the conversation. We usually try to keep our episodes around an hour. We went a little bit over because... I thought we were having a great conversation, but I don't want to cut you off. Is there anything else that you'd like the people to know about yourself, about the Kenigma? Is there anything else that you'd like to to, to bring to the table today? Um, yeah, we covered a lot. Uh, no, I think really just, you know, it, it, come check out the Kenigma. It's www.kenigma. You can find us obviously on LinkedIn and on Facebook and on all places uh, as well, but it's all happening at the website. So come and you'll be able to find the information you need. And anyone else who is also looking for, for you know, trustworthy information about cannabis. And uh, I look forward to meeting you guys in Vegas in a few months. Yes. We'll be seeing you. 
What's what's the uh, name of the podcast? One more time for people to search it in that form. What was the name? Yeah, the it? Cannabis Enigma is the podcast. Cannabis Enigma. Yeah, so we're on a summer break Apple. at the moment, and we'll be back. Uh, it's everywhere. Yeah, yeah, everywhere you consume yeah. podcasts. Yep. Yeah, that's the one. Awesome. Cool. Good awesome. luck with the rest of the tour. We'll be Thank we'll be following so closely. Much. Yeah, thank you so much for joining yes. with us, working with us on this on some of this content. Uh, we look very forward to you know to meeting up with you in Vegas and uh, you know continuing continuing the relationship of of exchanging information. Yeah, awesome. Us too. Have a good Appreciate one, guys. You. You, have, you have a safe travel. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Later. All right, Elena Goldberg of. The Kenigma. Man, what a great conversation. The global perspective. I know it's the, the North American weed tour, but we took a step a little bit bigger on this episode and looked at cannabis across the globe. Got some perspective from two different countries on there. Uh, that, that's pretty interesting. One, one guest bringing perspective from two different countries. Um, but it also just shows how important, you know, something that we do and the big belief of what we do as a company is putting content on the internet. Um, it, it, it brings a real perspective and focus to just how impactful and how important that is for a multitude of reasons. Absolutely. I mean, the North American weed tour is going to grow to become the international cannabis, you know, weed tour. It's just the way that it's going to go. We are simply expanding across North America now because of how many things went essential and legal over the last few years uh, with, with Alana joining us on that episode, it was a huge opportunity to share some really scientific data-driven insights into where cannabis is at, you know, in Israel, uh, the slight little, you know, uh, view into what Australia is like. I had no ideas to criminalize there. That's insane. Like, the fact, the fact that, like, you know, I quite literally had, was afraid to go to Australia having heard about their just drug general drug policies. I don't even do other drugs. Just hearing about their drug policies makes me think, oh, they're strict about people that are just going to concerts. They're strict about people that look like me wearing hats or whatever, you know, smoking a vape somewhere. Like I just don't, you know, and now to hear that it's decriminalized out there, it's like, okay, cool. The culture's lightening up. Like the people or the people are showing up, the community's pushing things through, making some of the right stuff happening. Patients like me are, are getting access. Israel medical program, drone stuff happening we got stizzy airplanes flying over the beach like the weed stuff is taking over the world it's making it's making the states the countries a lot of money uh tax wise and i just hope that the science um and the transparency really catches up you know i didn't get to show her you know the terpene profile on some of the buddies products but i think it's just really important that brands start to really take things more serious branding education she said some really powerful things about, um, you know, that San Francisco dispensary experience. Uh, and it just really also got me thinking about, you know, the need for these dispensaries to have brand guides, potentially to create an opportunity where they can, re you know, consume a booklet or a webinar series and get something for discount or for free or points or whatever it is. Um, there's just a lot of great opportunity. Don't give out too much free consulting right now. All right. There's there's a lot of opportunity. I mean, these dispensaries. Should, I mean, I already go to dispens. Uh, there's a dispensary in Ojai uh, that has all the little booklets you could ever imagine and stuff. And it's like if that was digital, I'd be reading all that stuff. And it was a video like animated, like she talked about. I'd be watching it all. And I'd be sharing it to people. I don't care if it's theirs, that dispensaries or whatever. Like the materials out there, the videos may not necessarily be out there, but all of it should be done. Um, 
I can't wait to get going. She definitely inspired me to continue pushing the good fight about terpene profile, more science. And we got to get this, we got to get this consumer uh, testing program going. Man. We got to yeah, do it. And another, and another thing I got to big up the Kenigma the, the for and what drew me to them before I even reached out was their, their take on strains. Um, you know, that was something that, that Leafly was definitely a leader in early on in their rebrand. I know myself personally, and I've heard it from other people. were not a fan. They tried to, take the subject more complex and digest it a little bit more. I wasn't a fan in how, in, in the way that Leafly did that. Um, but the Kenigma, you know, check out their strains on, on the website, the way they break it down and look at that. Um, I was definitely a fan of that. It's a complex thing because we're still learning information every day, every week from different, you know, clearly different countries, different areas, and then things are getting verified. And then obviously, with genetics, you know, new shits popping up every harvest. Um, so the, so the lineage of strains is just never ending. It's a very, very tough, difficult thing for anyone to, uh, tackle or to accomplish. But that's something if, if people are looking for more information to learn about that, why things are different, that's something I would check out the Kenigma for it. I was definitely a fan of that. Um, you know. Yeah, shout out to the Kenigma for really heading up that. Not to say Leafly has fallen off by any means. They're bigger than ever, right? Shout out to Leafly for their public, you know, going and all that stuff. Uh, but the Kenigma coming in and doing what they do really does help, the you know, these patients like me. It helps bud tenders that utilize those things. I know when I was a bud tender, I was utilizing every resource I could online to help educate about genetics. Um, you can't just what, learn. I mean, you can't. We, when we write strain reviews, product reviews, you don't read one site. You know, you don't go to Leafly and copy and paste, right? You go to Leafly, then you read some reviews. The reviews are super hit or miss. But then, and then you know, the the only other thing outside of some of these select few things, right, are the seed banks out there. Some seed banks are great information, you know, for at least for lineage and potential effects and where it lands. Some of them are sativa, right? Um, but there's not there's not a ton of places out there taking this information and, and dissecting it in a way that's impactful, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Big, big shout out to the Kenigma for that, man. I think, you know, that that right there is quite literally the fighting the good fight um, for the patients. Um, I just, you know, honestly, I just feel bad for that freaking that experience at the dispensary, man, because I, I, I see I go to so many dispensaries, bro. And having been a bud tender and stuff, and we started off medically trained. So I never got to have this other experience. You know what I mean? I never yeah. got to do it. I never got to be one of these other, oh, I'm just, you know, whatever training they give me. Oh, I didn't get no training. Oh, I did this. Like, no, nah, I did MJ Institute 20 hours. We were trained by an HR company, like for like two, 10, two, three, 10 hour days. It was, it was crazy, you know? Yeah. And then our GM came from Lucky Strike in Colorado from Denver, which is like one of the biggest ones. And yeah. so it's, you know, I don't sit here and expect every, every single butt tender to be absolutely to a T take 40 hours of training, but man, it would be nice. And I'd be sending my family and recommendations and people there all the time. And other people would too. One. Well, and, and yeah, there's, there's a, there's a lot of different reasons in that, but even, you know, your, your uh, recent review of shopping in Vegas and one, I don't know, GM owner, I don't know what, what position somebody marketing, uh, I saw a marketing, yeah, marketing dude, marketing dude. Yeah. was, you know, speaking about their dispensary. He's like, wow, everyone has to watch training videos and training before they get on the floor. But it's also, you know, there's other components that go into that of, you know, actual retail experience and, and get, not having retail experience, but providing a retail experience that if you work for a corporate or work in the mall, that, yeah. that is ingrained in you and the training, right, 
of dealing with each customer, how you're supposed to deal with them. But it is, it is, it's just all too common to see a store tout their bud tender education, yet there's no, edu- you know, very, very limited education. So we'll, we'll have to do a, we'll have to do an episode where, where we talk to some brands that are really well known for education and their programs and things like maybe some of their brand ambassador programs or something. Um, and maybe we can help be a service to people like that because, you know, with us, you know, our background really is retail. You come from retail, you come from retail and sports and, 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 uh, uh, other branded merchandise. I come from similar, similar thing now in cannabis. And, uh, I don't really know anything else retail. I don't have anything like that. So for me, it's just always been about, uh, providing that educated level of experience and then continuing to do it and making sure that all these people, um, that are looking for real help, you know, I go places, stuff makes me sick, stuff makes me anxious, stuff makes me unable to drive. Uh, if I get sold the wrong edible, I'm sleeping. I'm going yeah. to sleep. If it's 20, 30 milligrams, I'm knocked out. So for me, it, it is super important because I'm one of these unique people where I can smoke $300 worth of weed, you know, in a day with the, with some of the best of them, all this rapper weed and shit, but I can't get sold the wrong tincture at all. I can't get sold, sold the wrong capsules at all. It's very important that the wrong strain doesn't enter my body at all. Yeah. Um, and, and I know countless other people that it's very important. So um, big shout out to Alana for the episode. Kenigma, make sure you guys go visit the Kenigma.com. Check out as much content as you can. Share it, repost it, tweet it, Facebook it, Instagram, tag them, go follow them. Uh, and be sure to like, follow, subscribe to Respect My Region on all places. This is the North American Week Tour Podcast, episode eight. Mitch, take us home, my G. Man. North American Weed Tour Podcast Episode 8. We have some uh, traveling coming up here in the future. Right before we get out of here, I'll, I'll touch base on that. Hall of Flowers, California. Uh, Boston Cannabis Week in Boston. Um, MJ BizCon in Vegas. You'll catch Secret us in Seattle. Sesh, Secret Sesh LA. Secret Sesh LA. Secret Sesh LA. You'll catch us in Seattle, LA, Portland, NorCal, OKC. That's just upcoming. There'll be more places. Um you know, check us out. We'll have guests on here multiple times weekly for the podcast. Um, episode eight. We're about to get up out of here, man. All right, y'all. Love you guys.